a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Today's interview uh, is a bit historic for me. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of interviewing Elder John Groberg. Uh, His story of his life in Tonga uh, was the premise of a movie called The Other Side of Heaven that became an incredible hit starring Anne Hathaway. Today in studio, we have not only the producer of that movie and another one, in addition to Elder John Groberg. So Mitch Davis and Elder Groberg, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. All right. I want to go back. I mentioned it. The Other Side of Heaven, which, by the way, was an extraordinary love story. Um, that when was that released, Mitch? That movie came out in the year 2000. Starred Anne Hathaway. Disney distributed it. And you mentioned love story. That's the whole reason Anne Hathaway wanted to be in it. She loved how much John and Jean loved each other and wanted to be a part of telling that story. And what a story it was! So that was based on the love story of you and your beautiful wife. Well, uh, I hope it was based on that and other things, too. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember when you mentioned uh, that Anne was uh, interested in that aspect of it. When I first met Anne, and this was really the first full-length movie she had done, um, I said, so you're the lucky girl that gets to play the part of my wife. <laughs> and she said, uh, she smiled. She was, she was beautiful and said, uh, you must really love her. And I said, I sure do. Always have and always will. And I just felt like she just, I don't know, she's beautiful, but that beautiful smile really resonated with her. And I want to expand upon that love story because it also, the story tells uh, what it was like for you when you were on the island of Tonga as a young missionary and how you became to love the people on that island in that country and and your pursuit of teaching them uh, your beliefs. And and that, to me, is, is as powerful as a love story as the relationship between you and Jean. And it is. And, and actually, the opportunity to do that teaching and learning to love those people really resonated with Jean at home because we were not engaged. I think I didn't realize it. I was just writing what was happening. But she could gauge, oh, well, he's kind of learning a few things, and I think that helped her quite a bit, And for those who haven't had a chance to see that uh, movie, yes, Jean is receiving letters all the way from the island of Tonga from her boyfriend, and the story unfolds from there. Now, that was a huge success, Mitch. Did you anticipate that that was going to be that blockbuster success? Wow, I had no idea. Back in the year 2000, there had never been an LDS-themed film of any kind produced for years and years and years since the 40s and so we had no idea what the response was going to be like and we were thrilled that it got a nationwide theatrical release and that it was released in dvd by disney it's been shown on the a number of cable channels and it got distributed throughout the entire world in numerous languages and uh and that's been the most gratifying thing is just to see how the world has kind of adopted this film and how wherever it goes, it just seems to, to, 
touch people and and do good. And now that brings us to where we are at this point in history, because in time, because it's been 20 years since the initial release. Typically, when you have a great success, sequel number two uh, comes right around the corner. Tell me why we didn't have a sequel right away. You know, there was an immediate uh, cry for a sequel because, yeah, the first film was quite a success and had a huge fan base. But I was concerned uh, that we wouldn't be able to make a sequel that lived up to the original. I I didn't think we could spend enough money to make a movie big enough and good enough to satisfy the audience. And I felt like, frankly, it would have been mostly a financial ploy. We would have made a movie for not a lot of money and, and made a lot of money. And I, I just – I repeatedly told Elder Groberg I just didn't feel that that would be good for his legacy and for the – the beauty of the story. It's a grand, epic story. And then, remarkably, kind of miraculously, uh, just a couple of years ago, the opportunity uh, arrived along with a pretty stern, um, uh, uh, let's see, what word Motivational, do I want to use? motivational a, 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 comment? A, a pretty stern <laughs> challenge. No, Elder Groberg, um, you know, he worked every day with, President Thomas S. Monson and other brethren. And there were a lot of those folks who were really impacted by the first film, President Monson in particular, because he's the one who ordered Elder Elder Groberg to write those two books. And he loved the first film. And so he would kind of prod Elder Groberg, when's that second movie coming out, John? And and then Elder Groberg would call me and I just would say, I don't, I can't see a way to do it. And then finally, about two years ago, uh, Elder Groberg had my wife and I up to his house for lunch. And Michelle and I were there having a nice bowl of soup, and we finished. And Elder Groberg put down his utensils, and that's always a scary thing. Uh, <laughs> and and I could tell he had something on his mind. And he said, Mitch, he said, uh, I sort of thought that after President Monson died, he – might become less insistent about us making the second movie. It's actually the opposite. If anything, he's more uh, more insistent now, more encouraging now than he ever was when he was here on this side of the veil. And and then he looked at me kind of piercingly and said, "It's it, you're not getting any – I'm not – then he looked at me kind of piercingly and said – I'm not getting any younger, Mitch, and neither are you. It's time to do this now. And uh, and I said, well, that's great, but we don't have any money. And he said, doesn't matter. How much do you need? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, how much do you need? And I, I quickly thought up a pretty big number, and, and he said, okay. <laughs> I said, what do you mean okay? And he said, you got it. I said, what do you mean I got it? I don't have any of it. He said, you will. And and then he looked at me again and he just said, you are to proceed from this moment forth as if you have all that money in the bank. And I said, but I don't. <laughs> and he said, you will. Go. Just get it done. And uh, And that 
Elder Groberg over the years has taught me so many lessons in faith. Every movie, every moment of every movie about him and the Tongan people is filled with faith. Probably none of those moments uh, match up, in my mind, to that moment sitting at his table (laughs) when he said, you know, it's time. Just do it. Is that what you said, Elder Groberg? Uh, well, everyone has different <laughs> memories, but in general, that was about the conversation. Well, your life in Tonga, I mean, you were on a mission. Uh, my father served in Samoa about the same time you served in Tonga. At that time, he almost served three years because of, of how you have to learn the language, and right. it's, it was a different experience at right. that time. So, But that wasn't your only time in Tonga. You returned as a mission president with your family. So this movie is that story moving forward? That's right. It's important to – a lot of people say, well, what sequel? You know, what, what, what comes after? You got, you've served your mission and came home and got married. And, and the, uh, President Monson is the one that asked me to write the first book, which originally was called In the Eye of the Storm. And when he read it, he said, I'm happy with it, but there's one problem. And I said, oh, wow, what's the problem? He says, you don't mention anything about when you were mission president. And I said, well, you asked me to write about when I was a missionary. And he looked at me with those piercing eyes and said, you don't consider being a mission president a mission? (laughs) I said, oh, of course I do. And he said, well, now you'll have to write another one. But I'll give you two years to write this. I want you to write about when you were mission president. And the reason he was very insistent is because he said, we just don't do things like that anymore. And if you don't write it down, it'll be a chapter of history that will just be lost. And I think it's important that it be preserved. And you wrote that book a number of years ago. So I wrote that book a number of years ago. And then that was that. So, So the difference is the first one is when I was a young missionary. The second one is when I go back with my wife and children as mission president. I'm going to say you were still fairly young. Um, for those who have joined us, we're talking with Elder John Groberg. He's ex-emeritus uh, general authority. In other words, when he talks about working alongside the former church president, Thomas S. Monson, it's because for many years of your life, you were in service right. as a leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of, of Latter-day yeah. Saints. And you returned as a mission president, then in charge of other missionaries right. in that island. Uh, you were in your 30s. That's still very young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Gene and I were both 31 at mm-hmm. the time we got our call to serve there. And fortunately, as we went back as mission president, our first contact was the youngest member of the Quorum of the Twelve, Thomas S. Monson. So that's how we became acquainted with him, because he came very often and worked with us there in the islands. Now, as you read that story and as you've written that story, um, when you do put a movie together, obviously you work and you write together, you and Mitch. Um, This is a story of, again, you said faith. But it's also a bit of an adventure because you've got this family and these young children on the island. So, Mitch, as you were putting that story together, what is what were you looking to communicate in the other side of heaven, too, uh, by the way? The first film, the first film is really a big epic adventure and sort of a spiritual coming of age film. Uh, And the second film is 
exactly the same thing, except Elder Groberg is taking a wife and five young daughters, then a son, on similar adventures. The first movie is all about a fish out of water. A kid from Idaho, high desert, on a tropical island where nobody speaks his language, and they all feel faith in a way he's never encountered before, and they feel love in a way he's never encountered before. Well, the same thing happens in the second film, except in some ways it's a bigger uh, experience and a bigger adventure because, you know, uh, a wife and five daughters and then a son, eight people are, are having this these same kinds of experiences. And I'm, I wanted to I wanted to just jump in. One of the things that's amazing about the book Elder Groberg wrote and now this new movie is that it's it is it's all young people. I mean, when you see thirty one year old John H. Groberg with his thirty one year old wife and kids, that's one thing. But then when you see a thirty six or thirty nine year old Thomas S. Monson, these guys were running the church. They were running the church down there and they were young men. What a memory. What a memory for you. Now, this is going to, the movie is being released all across the country. So it is not just being released regionally in Utah. It is a spiritual journey that you share. But what other themes are in their Elder Groberg that you feel like an audience of both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and others who are not members, what, what will they draw and pull from in this story that you share with us? Well, I think one of the reasons that it maybe has been delayed a little bit and is coming out now is, as we all know, as we look around the world, faith and prayer and uh, disbelief in God are all under very strong attack. And that's really what you have to look forward in this movie, uh, to in this movie, is the fact that God it lives. He exists, and faith is real, and the Savior is the avenue uh, to our Father, and and prayers really are powerful. And it's not just members of the church. Some of my very best friends there were Methodist ministers, for instance. I think they are some of the best people I've ever met. And when our son, who became very ill, was born in Tonga and became very ill, it was not only members of the church, but the Methodists, the Catholics, uh, all of the people, the royal family, uh, they just had a feel, hey, he needs our faith and our prayers. And it was a real thing. It's not uh, something that is just limited to one little group. So I think that message that uh, there is power in prayer, there is wonderful, great blessings from faith, in God. Uh, you'll you'll find that. And even though there are definitely conflicts, it's like President Nelson said to the Pope, yeah, we have differences, but what we have in common is far greater than that. And sure, there were differences, and some of the ministers were upset with me on, you know, when people would leave their church and join ours. But when it came right down to it, I respected them greatly, and they respected me in the sense that they prayed for our family and our son, just as I prayed for them and their families and their sons. I'm glad you you brought up President Nelson, because, Mitch, you mentioned it was just recently that President Russell M. Nelson, who is the president now yeah. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he just visited the South Pacific. 
Yeah, he came back from Rome, and I think he slept for 10 minutes, and then he <laughs> flew down to the South Pacific. And one of his last stops was uh, in Tonga, and he met with the royal family and talked with them about some of their experiences with John and Jean Groberg and their family, and and also, uh, you know, just emphasized what he emphasized with the Pope. We have a few differences, sure, and they're important differences, but we have so much in common. And I think at the time uh, of his visit, about 62% of the people in Tonga professed membership in our church, um, although uh, Methodism or the Wesleyan tradition is the official religion of the royal family. So that was a, a beautiful ecumenical moment where we have a lot in common. Let's lock arms rather than clenching fists. You know, uh, I think what's part to me that was so moving about the first movie, because I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting the opening of The Other Side of Heaven, too, is um, getting a chance to experience vicariously um, the culture, the love, the power of, of the people of Tonga. And I'm sure that as you now look back, how did that change you, those years on the island of Tonga? Well, in very, very important ways in recognition that people are good, whether they're people you know or not, there's a lot of goodness in them. And I, you know, coming from Idaho and going there, as Mitch mentioned, it's from a desert to a tropical island, and the language, uh, totally different, the culture, the food, uh, everything— But the one thing that was the same is I realized those people possess the power of love and of faith. See, Tonga is one of the few countries in the world that actually has written in their constitution that the Sabbath will be kept holy. And even though there's great pressure, the king and the royal family say, no, that's part of the constitution. We're going to do it. No Planes come on Sunday, no boats and no stores open and so forth. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. And that's, I I just learned so much that there's so much good in all people everywhere. And all we want to do is say, hey, here's some more. If you'd like it, fine. But if not, you're not going off uh, to someplace dark and dreary. Uh, you're, You're good people. And we just want to help and so I think that that was probably the biggest change is just realizing that people that I don't know or I don't understand before I would have just kind of said, well, I just won't worry about that. But now I say, hey, there's a lot of good in those people. Mm, I love that. Go ahead, Mitch. Elder Groberg has told me repeatedly that uh, that he actually learned more from the Tongan people than they ever learned from him. And he was sent to teach them. Um, and I think that's a recognition of uh, that's, a, that's a good example of Elder Groberg's personal humility. But it, it's also a great truth that in my experience and in my experience of working with him on these movies, uh, there is no faith like like the Tongan faith. And there is no love, no unconditional, fierce love. They love with an intensity and a, and a fidelity. Uh, that is just so strong and intense. And boy, at this time when 
our whole planet seems polarized. Everybody's bickering with each other and and uh, arguing about this, that, and the other. It's it's just a good time for a soft South Pacific breeze to blow through our hearts and minds and just remind us of the stuff that matters most. I absolutely love that you said that because there's a reason why it's called the other side of heaven. Because did you feel like you found a piece of heaven in the islands of Tonga? I sure did. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only not only in just their love and their faith and their helpfulness, but in other ways, too, uh, just as an example, their music, their singing. I think that uh, their their singing is literally heavenly. It's not only the other side of heaven, it is heaven. When you, when you listen to them and when you sing uh, with them, I don't consider myself a good singer. But, boy, I couldn't help after a few months being there, just being drawn in. Uh, I've said jokingly, but it's true, that sometimes there were more people. They, they held choir practice after branch meeting, and very often, well, maybe not very often, but often there were more people came to choir practice than came to sacrament meeting just because they <laughs> loved to sing. And it is a form of worship, it isn't is. it? It is. It is. You know, a funny sidebar to that is when we made the first movie, The Other Side of Heaven, back in 2000, we made it on an island called Rarotonga, which is not part of Tonga. It's part of a different group of islands. But the Rarotongans seem, sing a lot like the Tongans sing and the Samoans sing and the Maori sing. They sing with their souls. And uh, cruise ships, there was a church, there was a Wesleyan church on the island of Rarotonga that was sort of famous for the way the people sing on Sundays. And cruise ships would always moor on Saturday night off the coast of this town and send the tenders ashore so that tourists could go sit in the balcony of this church just to hear the people sing. Oh, what a memory. Yeah. We used to leave Mm -hmm. our wards meetings, my wife and kids and I, and we go sit up there with them because it just, it, it, it lifts your spirit. I want to say, too, you're, as part of the movie's release, we can look forward to a CD that will have the music of the Tongan people. That's right. Yeah, it, it, just within a week or so, there's about 20 songs that choirs in Tonga sang during part of the time they were there filming, and it, it, it is beautiful. And I, I do want to add, too, when Mitch meant, mentioned that I said, go ahead and do it, it wasn't just, uh, it was faith. Yeah, I, I had uh, some proddings from President Monson and others that it's time we ought to do it. But we are very, very grateful to the government of Fiji. They have a, a wonderful rebate program. BYU TV uh, came in and assisted and Deseret Book. And it's amazing how things have fallen together. They would say the windows of heaven, right, opened up uh, on the other side of heaven. The windows of heaven and also a lot of hard work. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's funny, Elder Groberg, when he talked about President Monson having conversations with him, he used the phrase uh, piercing look. And I realized that when I talked about him talking to me, I used the phrase piercing look. So I think there's something about hierarchy <laughs> that, that has to do with how you feel when somebody looks at you. Well, I want to, as we wrap up this interview, I, I want to give um, a, a, a little bit more information. You can learn more about where this movie is showing, 
where tickets are available. Uh, see the trailer if you go to the website, theothersideofheavenmovie.com. Is that correct? Yeah. No, no the. Just Other Side of Heaven Movie. No the. Othersideofheavenmovie.com. Yeah. And it's just extraordinary. And I want to say congratulations because it is a work of love to tell a story, to film make. But it also is very reflective of your life of service. And as, as just a fellow human being on this world, I just think that we can't underestimate the amount we learn when we open our lives up and we give our hearts and our souls for the betterment of others. It's just extraordinary. So I appreciate that we'll be able to be in the theater and share a Thank bit. You. And and those moments that you shared, I cannot imagine you as a young father of five on the island of Tonga. But thank you for sharing your story with us. You're more than welcome. And I I do want to just add that even though these were many years ago, it's been fascinating to me to see, like Vi Sikahema, a lot of you know him. Well, it turns out we when I was mission present there, we took him and his family to the temple. He was only five years old at the time. And we just heard from uh, Tony Finau, who's a fairly famous golfer. He says, my first companion, Feki Uha, is his great uncle. And uh, all those connections are just starting to come in down another couple of generations. And I, I, I'm convinced that any amount of good we do, any time, the Lord figures out a way to have it multiplied and just go on and on forever. Mm-hmm, the power of heaven, right? Which is, is why the, which is why it's so important that this movie uh, have its moment and not just in a few places in Utah. This, this movie is going to be released nationwide in theaters on June 28th. And depending upon how well we do there, we will be given a ticket to take the movie to the rest of the earth as we did with the first film. And I just, I just think, uh, you know, it's, I think as a people, we've sort of grown accustomed to, to small budget productions, uh, with very limited releases. And I just want everyone listening to know this is a major motion picture. It's big. It's bigger than the first film. And, uh, and we hope that it will, be given a passport to the planet like the first film. And I would recommend, by the way, yes, make sure you get tickets to Other Side of Heaven 2, the story that you're only hearing bits about now. But go back and watch The Other Side of Heaven, uh, number one, too, because it's just an extraordinary journey. Screenwritten, produced, directed by Mitch Davis, uh, also based on the stories, the books, and the life of Elder John Groberg and his wife, Jean, who's here in studio Thank you for your story. Again, more information is on the website, othersideofheavenmovie.com. Mitch Davis, Elder Groberg, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. What a pleasure to have the other side of heaven, even part two, in this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.